0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello, I'm Cathy Slack, and welcome to Tales from the Veg Patch. What a lot of gardening there is to do this bank holiday weekend. Most crucially, the tomatoes need potting up and introducing to the outside world – I've grown them from seed this year, which is a bit of a faff and a labour of love. I used to grow tomatoes from seed all the time before I discovered the convenience of plug plants, though the story of how I was converted to plug plant tomatoes is not altogether a happy one, as you will find out shortly. This is an extract from my cookbook from the Veg Patch where you will find many more recipes for your tomato harvest should your seedlings happen to make it as far as adulthood that is. As ever please do rate, review and subscribe on your chosen podcast provider. It really helps a podcast that's new get off the ground. Hubris got the better of the tomato harvest. She did look a bit sheepish but only briefly. Then she put the car into first and drove over them. She just drove over them. My poor tomato seedlings sprawled on the tarmac and she drove right over them. No doubt she carried on her day went about like it was any other Sunday to spend careering around the Cotswolds in a four-wheel drive. I, on the other hand, was left to clear up the wreckage. The tipped-up trolley where the plants had been carefully installed for transport. The crushed seed trays with their extra-long modules to encourage better growth. The wool-based, peat-free, organic compost providing an expensive but perfect growing medium for my prized tomatoes. All of it, now nothing more than a muddy mess on the road. Poor little broken bodies, fragments of green and snapped trunks, a squashed leaf the only clue to what it all had once been. Disaster! Why were the tomato seedlings in a trolley on the road in the first place? You may well ask. At the time, I had only a couple of raised beds in my own garden, and so had thrown myself on the mercy of a benevolent landowning neighbour who had given me a plot of land in his vast garden on which to grow. He had also generously invited me to share his greenhouse to grow tomatoes. Every weekend, I would trundle up the lane to this private allotment with my green trolley, which I had bought especially for the purpose. This trolley was one of those steel mesh things with drop-down sides and soft grip handles that steered the front axle, the sort you see middle-class children being ferried around in at festivals. It was a five-minute walk from my house to the allotment and I would pull my trolley up the path laden with this week's seedlings and return having filled it with vegetables. I thought I'd become a bit of a village fixture barber-clad with my vintage trug, a mountain of fresh vegetables and my natty little trolley ambling over the village green and up the lane. Walkers would stop to admire my harvest. Such a charming village they'd say as they passed. This is the sort of thing that would do wonders to our house prices. The perfect Cotswold scene. We were a rural idyll, and me and my trolley were the poster boys. So, when I saw a four-wheel drive approaching me from behind on the lane, I made to jauntily nip the trolley up onto the verge with all the carefree gusto of a Lorry Lee character. But this driver clearly wasn't in the mood to appreciate the picturesque scene and wanted to get on with her day. So I hurried things up a bit, pulled the seedling-filled trolley up the bank a little too quickly and possibly a little too glibly, tipped it up and sent the whole lot flying all over the road. I stood, gaping, dumbstruck at the devastation. She paused too, but it was a single-track lane and there was nowhere to go but over the carnage, even in a Range Rover. So she did. I'm not sure what else she could have done, really, except leap from her car to console me, which would have been nice. But she left me there, on the grassy verge to contemplate my broken seedlings and my damaged pride. What was particularly galling about it all was that tomatoes are a bit of a faff to grow, and any setbacks in the early days are irrecoverable. There's a relatively short window for sowing them, late February to early March, some will sow later, but I think that's a mistake. The seeds are quite expensive and each pack contains only five or six, so you must plant with care and keep them warm and damp on a windowsill, but not too warm and not too damp and not too sunny a windowsill or they will die. Then you pot them into deep root trainers so they are nice and strong ahead of planting out. Which you do into a protected greenhouse or in pots after all risk of frost is past, thereafter to feed and water and stake and pinch out and generally mollycoddle until they decide to fruit. Stall or capsize at any one of these stages, and there will be no time to re sow, repot, re your seedlings into fruiting and ripening before the weather turns in late September. Your harvest will be done for. Of course, you can cheat, as I did that year, buying plug plants from an online nursery. And actually, they turned out to be marvellous plants. Interesting heritage varieties, sturdy, healthy seedlings. So all was not lost in the end. And I learnt my lesson too. Tomato pride comes before a fall, And one green trolley does not an Idle make. Ways with tomatoes. The best thing you can do with a homegrown tomato, just picked, warm from the sun, still thick with the herby aroma of deep green vines, is absolutely nothing at all. Just slice and devour. At most, you might try one of the following with the best of the harvest. A simple tomato sandwich. For this, you will need the freshest white sourdough, the flakiest salt, the richest butter, and, of course, perfectly ripe tomatoes. Use something tart and firm, like green zebra, for more texture, variety, and flavour. The important thing is to use the best ingredients you can possibly find. One day I will make two sandwiches to illustrate this. The first in January with out of season tomatoes, pre-sliced bread and margarine. Then another in August with the freshest and finest ingredients. Sometimes it's good to be reminded how much goes into simplicity tomato and basil basil has a remarkable effect on tomatoes it's like you can taste the peppery herbal aroma of it in your mouth as you eat the tomato even if you didn't fork an actual leaf of basil a famous and successful marriage another herb tomatoes enjoy is thyme scatter on top and drizzle with olive oil Like basil, tomatoes love olive oil, too, because of the heady green aroma and peppery kick it provides. You can combine the two by pummeling basil, or thyme for that matter, and olive oil together in a pestle and mortar, then warming gently before pouring over sliced tomatoes. Small, sweet tomatoes like sungold, black cherry, or tumbling tom are good for this treatment. The most fiddling I do to a raw tomato is in a panzanella, for which I combine torn stale bread with roughly chopped tomatoes, anchovies, capers, basil leaves, finely diced red onions, red wine vinegar, salt and lashings of extra virgin olive oil. Toss gently and leave to mingle and soak for about 15 minutes. Some cooks add roast peppers too but that would divert the attention from the tomatoes in my view. It looks like a stodgy mess but it is the most delicious mess. If you cook homegrown tomatoes it is because there is a glut to deal with. Usually this comes in those unpredictable days when summer is turning into autumn. The weather may be fine, but the nights are chilly and the days a bit shorter. I start for the first time in months to think about soup. And the tomato harvest starts to think about giving up. I pick a basket full of down-at-heel ragged tomatoes. Ripe, mostly, but too shabby for eating raw. And indulge in my soup desire. Roast tomato soup. Roast the tomatoes with sliced garlic, extra virgin olive oil, and salt for 45 minutes at 190 degrees until collapsed and charred at the edges. Pass through a mouli to separate the pulp from the seeds and the skin. You can use a sieve for this, but it's even more laborious than a mouli. However, the tedium is worth it because the pulpy soup below is intensely flavoured, sharp with acidity, smoky and very, very tasty. It freezes well too. For a sumptuous but simple pasta sauce, bubble the roast tomato soup pulp on the hob until reduced and thicken, then stir into pasta. Or add a spoonful of sugar and a splash of balsamic vinegar to the moolied pulp, heat gently until the sugar dissolves, then boil until very thick, dark and syrupy. You will never look at a squeezy bottle of ketchup again. For a persistent glut, I recommend tomato chutney. Nigel Slater makes a green tomato chutney that is the highlight of my autumn. He mixes, and I'm paraphrasing here, one part white wine vinegar, one part light brown sugar, one part chopped onion, three parts tomatoes with a handful of raisins, a chopped chilli, salt and yellow mustard seeds. All of which is bubbled together for an hour or so until sticky. I make a few jars of this each year, intending to give them as gifts come Christmas, but always accidentally eating them before December, or hoarding them greedily for myself to brighten a cold February day. Those almost autumn days are too inclement to offer any hope of sun drying the tomato glut as the Italians do, but you can cheat partially dehydrating tomatoes very slowly in an oven concentrates the flavor in a similar way but keeps them jammy and juicy unlike the sun-dried ones you buy in cheap oil in the supermarket which look more like leathery florida grannies dipped in tanning oil than tomatoes to make your own Half 800 grams of tomatoes and arrange them in a single layer, cut side up, on baking trays. Don't crowd them or they will stew rather than dehydrate. Sprinkle a few crumbs of dark brown muscovado sugar on each tomato, about two teaspoons in total. Then drizzle with one tablespoon each of balsamic vinegar and extra virgin olive oil. Roast at 130 degrees for an hour and three quarters, checking them about halfway through just to be sure they aren't too dehydrated. Reduce the cooking time accordingly if they're in danger of looking granny-like. Keep them in a sealed tub in the fridge for up to a week. And now for a proper recipe. A tomato lover's salad with anchovy breadcrumbs. This is the dish I make with the first tomato harvest each year. I trot out to the veg patch all anticipation one afternoon when the tomatoes are warm to touch from the summer sunshine, snapping them off the vines, my fingers turning iridescent green in the process to select a few different colours and sizes in my truck. Nature's pick and mix. The legwork of the harvest is done by the tomato stalwarts like Gardener's Delight, which is a reliably red, sweet and juicy variety. But the glamour comes from the heritage tomatoes, a seductive burgundy black cherry, the clown-like stripes of tigerella, a flash of orange from the ridiculously named banana legs. It's more like a bowl of sweets than a truck full of tomatoes. And for a salad to celebrate such stars, only the best will do. Use top-drawer olive oil for this recipe. Take time to marinate the onion into sweet submission. Hunt down those Spanish anchovies in oil that aren't all bone, and don't rush. Slice the tomatoes carefully. Lavish some attention on them. If you've grown them yourself, this instinct will come naturally, after all, they've been distractingly needly, like all celebrities, since you sewed them in early spring. This dish, I think, is the best way to show off the results of that effort and to salute their allure. Serves two. Chop 500 grams of top-notch tomatoes into irregular chunks and muddle them around in a serving bowl with two tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil, A small bunch of basil leaves and a big pinch of salt. If you have them add a handful of those sun-dried tomatoes I mentioned earlier now too. Put the bowl to one side somewhere sunny if possible and leave to mingle whilst you get on with the rest of the dish. Slice a quarter of a red onion into very fine slivers and mix with two tablespoons of red wine vinegar in a small bowl. Set aside to soften for 10 minutes. For the breadcrumbs, heat 2 tablespoons of olive oil in a frying pan and add 4 tablespoons of dried breadcrumbs, frying them for a couple of minutes until they start to turn golden. Add 4 tinned anchovies, which you have chopped, plus 1 crushed garlic clove and keep stirring for 1-2 to more minutes until the breadcrumbs are crispy then remove from the heat. Drain the sliced onion and add to the tomatoes, then scatter over the breadcrumbs and whisk the salad to the table so the breadcrumbs stay crunchy. Best eaten in the garden, in the shade, when the sun is at its highest.